This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. We start tonight by featuring the talents of Sidney Greenstreet as he portrays Nero Wolfe, famously eccentric genius who lived in and rarely leaves a large and comfortably furnished brownstone he owns on West 35th Street in Manhattan. Tonight we hear the episode The Case of the Careworn Cuff that first aired in 1950. My boss is the smartest and the stubbornest the fattest and the laziest, the cleverest and the craziest, the most extravagant detective in the world, Nero Wolf. It's the transcribed adventure of The Case of the Careworn Cup, with that brilliant, eccentric private detective, orchid fancier, and gargantuan gourmet, Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. The place is Nero Wolf's office. At the moment, the world's greatest motionless detective is sitting in the chair which was built especially to support his 300 pounds. His eyes are closed, and he's making sounds through his nose. Archie. 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 Yes, Mr. Wolf, what is it? The phone, if you please, Mr. Goodwin. But it's on your desk, only eight and three-quarter inches from your left elbow. All you have to do is lean forward. Found it, Archie. What do you think I am, an athlete? Hello. No, wrong number, mister. I'm sorry, Mr. Wolf, if that old phone awakened you. Wrong number, and I was not asleep. I was merely uh, concentrating. On what? We're out of work. There's nothing to concentrate on. May have escaped your errant attention, Archie. There are other subjects for thought besides murder. Mm-hmm. Sure, blondes. And blondes. You're right at that, brunettes. Phooey. That's not a nice thing to say about any girl, even if she does happen to be a brunette. Archie. Yes, sir? Go away. You annoy me. Suppose I did. It would get your beer for you. Fritz. Tonight happens to be Fritz's night off. However, you can always get your beer for yourself. Don't be an idiot. There are exactly 23 steps between here and the kitchen. As you very well know, I abominate strenuous physical activity. 23 steps times 2 is 46. You could walk very slow. Nonsense. Now that you mention it, uh, I happen to be mildly thirsty, Archie. Would you... Now that I mention it, you'd better let the beer go for tonight. Why? 
Our stock is running low. You mean cannons? I've been careful because something else is also running low. What? Money? Fiddlesticks, there's plenty in the bank. Sure, but very little of it is yours. Mr. Wolf, do you remember that batch of orchids you bought last week? Of course I do. Magnificent and very rare specimen. I got a magnificent bill for him this morning, too. It was uh, large? It was large. Confound it, Archie. I shall have to do some work. You turned down half a dozen cases in the last few weeks. One of them may still require me. Most of them hired other detectives. However, there is a Mr. Wenceslas who might still be in need. His problem is what? As I remember, he's being followed by midgets. He wanted you to do something about it. Not, not that he minded the midgets so much. It was the elephants they were riding. The man needs a psychiatrist, not a detective. Anyone else? I can check my files, but I don't think... Ha-ha! <laughs> Saved by the bell. Another creature like that, and I shall... Answer the phone yourself? Assassinate. you see what it is. Okay. Hello? Yes, Mr. Wolf is in. Yes, he'll be in. He always is. What? But... Hmm. That was a Mr. Charles Porter. He was in a hurry. He's on his way over right now. Should be here in ten minutes. Prospective client, I trust? A thousand dollars worth of prospective client. Splendid, Archie, my beer. Okay, but, uh, look, I'm not sure you're going to accept his offer. Indeed, what does he want me to do for his paltry fee? That's the point. If I heard him right, he wants you to do nothing. Door, Archie. Yes, sir. I hear it. Mr. Porter? Naturally, I'm Charles Porter. Who else would I be? It's a large field. Uh, never mind. Come on in. I'm Archie Goodwin. Where is Wolf? Mr. Wolf is in here. Mr. Wolf, this is Mr. Porter. Good evening. Fat, aren't you? It's moderately noticeable. Out your chair for Mr. Porter. Don't bother. I'm too impatient to sit. When I have business to take care of, I take care of it quickly. Very well. Send him out of the room. Mr. Goodwin, nonsense. He's my assistant. He remains. I don't like it. Archie, show Mr. Porter out. Now, wait. There's no need to get temperamental. Perhaps I'm a little abrupt. Rude. I'm a worried man. And impatient. You're wasting time, Mr. Porter. I suppose I am. The reason I came to you... Young man, what are you doing with that notebook? Getting ready to make marks in it, but... No, never mind. Mr. Wolfe, you have a client named Dorothy Spencer. Have I? There's no need to be coy about it. I happen to know. Then you know. I want you to drop her. Drop her? Refuse to handle her case. Close the books on her. You know what I mean. Why should I? The girl has no money. I have. That doesn't answer my question. Perhaps this will. Appear to be a small package of dollar bills. It happens to be a thousand dollars. Archie, will you? I will. It is a thousand dollars. Thank you. Mr. Porter. Yes? You're paying me a thousand dollars in order that I refuse to act for Miss Spencer. Nothing more. That's right. What does she suspect you of? I said nothing about... Well, that is... You must know that as well as I do. Possibly, nevertheless. What does she suspect you of? Uh, being a blackmailer. Whereas your occupation really is... I'm a musician. Pianist. I'm appearing nightly at the Windsor Hotel. 
Archie, have you made out a receipt for Mr. Porter? Yep. Give it to him and show him to the door. Okay. Mr. Porter? Mr. Wolf? I want your assurance that the entire affair is definitely finished. My association with Miss Spencer, you mean. You have my assurance that it is. You will forgive a classical illusion. Ricardo. Thank you. Good night. Mr. Wolf, I have a secret about Mr. Porter. He smells. Some perfume or other. More important is right coat cuff. is more worn than his left cuff. And a cuff happens to be a musical term, meaning start again from the beginning. Oh, Porter thought it meant finished. Therefore, Mr. Porter is a liar. His ignorance of common musical term indicates that he's not a musician. The worn right coat cuff, that he is an office worker. That's kind of leaping to a deduction. But even if Porter's a liar, Mr. Wolf, there is something else. He, uh... He paid you a thousand dollars to drop a client named Dorothy Spencer. Mr. Wolf, you never had a client with that name. Well, that's that. Dorothy Spencer is not in. Anyway, she's not answering her phone. Uh, Mr. Wolf, I said. I know what you said. Ah. That a comment? I'm worried. Mr. Porter may have assumed erroneously that Dorothy Spencer had employed or was intending to employ me. That does not explain why he lied about his occupation. Maybe he didn't lie. After all, your deductions could be wrong. Phew. Okay. Take care of that. All right. Now. Phoning her. Hello. Uh, Windsor Hotel? Get me the manager's office. Ah, uh, could, could could you tell me if a Charles Porter plays the piano, it's... Ah? Uh, she sounds blonde. I see. Thanks a lot. What do you do after work? You... Oh, so long. She goes home and beats her husband. That Porter, Archie. Bad news. He does play the piano at the Windsor in the move room. So where does that leave your deductions? Untouched, of course. Let me think. Hmm. Yes, naturally. Naturally what? I came to the conclusion that Mr. Porter was an office worker. We have just discovered that Mr. Porter is not an office worker, therefore... You were wrong. I am never wrong. Therefore, the man who was here is not Charles Porter. Mr. Wolf, do you think a man of your weight should climb out on a limb like that? Fiddlesticks. Look up Porter in the phone book and call him. Okay. Take a second. Uh-huh. Archie, the phone company's best friend. <clears throat> yep, here he is. What do I ask him? Uh, there'll be no need to ask Mr. Porter anything, just phone. You're the boss. Well, I have to say something to the guy. Hello, I'd like to speak to Charles Porter. So would you. Who is... Oh, Stebbins, huh? Yeah, that's right, Archie. Oh. Oh, no, no, don't, don't, don't bother why I called it. A coincidence. Why? You know who that was? No. That was Sergeant Stebbins, Sergeant Purley Stebbins. I might add, as though you didn't know that Stebbins happens to be a sergeant in homicide. Indeed. You expected this. 
I still don't know what your conversation was about. It was about Charles Porter, who maybe was a liar, but who isn't going to tell any more lies. On account of he was just shot to death. Well, 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 if it ain't Archie Goodwin. Come in, Goodwin. Thank you, Sergeant Stebbins. I've been expecting you. Oh, that's sweet of you to say that, Pearlie. <laughs> hey. Yeah, hey. He don't look good anymore, eh? Guys who stop bullets with their face never look good. Pearlie, you've been robbed. I did. Hmm? That corpse is not Porter. <laughs> now relax, Goodwin, relax. His fingerprints were on file and they check. His girlfriend says he's Porter. If he could get up and talk, he'd tell you he was Porter. And what makes you think he isn't? Well, because when he visited us earlier tonight, he looked different. Not much, but... You said girlfriend? Yes, I said girlfriend. She's in the next room mopping up. She kind of broke down when we brought her here. You brought her here? Now, don't tell me what her name is. Why shouldn't I? It's Spencer. Dorothy Spencer. Ooh, that's what I was afraid of. Sergeant, I... Oh. Ignore him. He comes with the woodwork. His name is Goodwin, Miss Spencer. Archie Goodwin. Find what you were looking for? What I was looking... Somebody's gone through this place like a minor league hurricane. You? What business is it of... Of mine? None, maybe. On the other hand, Nero Wolf might have other ideas. Matter of fact, I'm sure he'd have. Miss Spencer, why don't you go see him? The address is 601 West 35th Street. I don't see why... You want your boyfriend's murderer found, don't you? Now listen, Goodwin, the police are working on this. Sure, they'll see to it nobody harms a corpse. Goodbye, Miss Spencer. Don't forget that address. 601 West 35th Street. Believe it or not, you used to be a client of ours. Oh, Mr. Wolf, you're getting to be so brilliant, it's boring. Boy. <laughs> that is, um... Uh... All right, tonight you deserve it. I'll get you another can of beer. But this is the last one. Unless you promise to do some exercise, like, uh... Like maybe standing up and sitting down five minutes a day. Thank you. <laughs> Why should I indulge in such idiotic behavior? Well, after a while, you might be able to see your shoes. I've already seen them. Oh, that was 20 years ago. Things have changed. No more buttons. Hey, that must be Dorothy Spencer. Mm, she's undoubtedly young and beautiful. You deduced that from the way she pressed the buzzer? I deduced that from the gleam in your eye, Bah. Bah, all you want. I'm going to keep that gleam shining. Hello, Miss Spencer. Come in. Thank you. Mr. Wolf. Is the large sitting down gentleman behind the desk? This is Dorothy Spencer, Mr. Wolf. You will forgive me not rising. It is due to a necessary conservation of energy rather than rudeness. Archie, chair. Sure. Here you are, Miss Spencer. Thanks. Now then, Miss Spencer, have the police found anything but dust in Mr. Porter's closet? I. No. You were engaged to Mr. Porter? I was. That ring you're wearing, he gave it you? Yes. May I see it? Well, all right. Here. Thank you. Hmm, expensive. Very expensive. You may have it back. Miss Spencer, why are you marrying Charles Porter? I, I loved him. Boy, Mr. Porter, according to Archie's description, was twice your age with considerably less than half your attractiveness. Love may perhaps be blind, but it is not astigmatic. I, I don't know what you mean. What were you searching for under the nose of the police? Nothing. Nothing uh, at all. 
How did your fiancé earn his money? He played the piano. It's a... Boy, what he earned there in a year wouldn't begin to pay for the ring he gave you. You'd like to try again? I don't know how he made his money. I suggest that you do. I suggest that he earned money by the same method that he induced you to consider marrying him. Blackmail. Why was he blackmailing you? Old letters I'd written when I was too young to know any better. Your motives for murdering Porter would be twofold, then. Recovery of blackmail material and the avoidance of marriage to a man you dislike. I didn't kill Charles. Good doorbell, Archie. Get Miss Spencer into the kitchen. Once. Must be the police. Yeah, let's go, Miss Spencer. Right through that door. And stay there until I call you. Front door, Archie. Uh, Mr. Wolf, do I know Dorothy Spencer's here? You know nothing. A simple role for you to play. Uh, I haven't got time to resent that insult right now, but wait until the next time you drop a collar button. Well, bless my soul, if it isn't dear old Inspector Kramer. How is the homicide department? Where's Wolf? Big surprise. He's sitting. Mr. Wolf. Good evening, Inspector. Where's Dorothy Spencer? This is not the Bureau of Missing Persons. The district attorney would like to talk to her. I shall tell her so the next time we meet. Well, that could be right now. She's in this house. I don't see her. Mind if I look around for myself? You have a search warrant, of course. Uh, so happens, no, but... Uh... Archie, the inspector's leaving. Okay, I'm leaving. I suppose by the time I get back with a warrant, she'll be in Hoboken. Hoboken? Where's that? Look, Wolf, you can go too far. One of these days, you won't be able to talk yourself out of a... I... Ah... Trail me to the door, Goodwin, to show what a good detective you are. Oh, Inspector Kramer doesn't love us anymore. Unfortunate. Archie, take Miss Spencer to a respectable hotel. Register her under an assumed name. She is to stay there until notified otherwise. Luckily, the good inspector neglected to inform us that she was the leading suspect in a murder case. Hence, we are not accessories after the fact, and I don't want her arrested for murder as yet. Her beauty has won you over. Oh, you will then return here immediately. Okay. What are you going to be doing in the meanwhile? I, uh, she shall be thinking. <laughs> Patient and non-musical friend came in through the window. How are you, Mr. Not Porter, of course. Where's the girl? Question is beginning to bore me. I don't know. I think she's here. So did the police. I might add that they were slightly closer to the truth. Incidentally, what makes you think she was Porter's accomplice? She must have been. Nonsense, she wasn't. Porter was blackmailing her. Just as he was blackmailing you. In her case, it was letters. In yours, a previous criminal record, perhaps, that your employers might be interested in. I want to know where she is. Maybe this would help you remember. Good heavens, don't point a pistol at me. It annoys me. Ah, the police, I should think, open the door for them like a good fellow. Oh, no. I'm leaving. But if I don't find that girl, I'll be back. Knock the blasted thing down if it isn't open. All right, well, I've got the search warrant. Also, no doubt, a fine tooth comb. Bah. By the way, Inspector... All right, boys, come to the house. All right, Inspector. Well, what did you want? 
As your men go through the house, will you have one of them shut the back window? I've just had a burglar, and I suspect he left it open. Unless the matter is attended to, the house might be filled with <laughs> fresh air. Well, what's the matter with that? Fresh air, deadly poison. It clogs the lungs. And may I point out that the warrant you're clutching in your hot little hand is not a lease on the house. Finish your search quickly, if you please, and then... Uh, <laughs> why not try hobo? So I just missed the inspector, huh? You did? That I can stand. I'm sorry about the burglar, though. Perhaps we can arrange to have you meet him in the morning. He left his calling card with name and address on it? He dropped his handkerchief here on my desk. Oh. Hmm. It's a handkerchief. It smells. So it does. But, um... All of our unknown friends' clothes carry the odor. Therefore... Yeah? You will go out immediately to the nearest drugstore, buy a specimen of every cake of soap manufactured in this country. Mr. Wolf? He's there. No. I never realized just how many different brands of soap are made in this country. You should listen to the radio more often. So far, we've sniffed at 37 cakes. None of them smell like porter. Ah, let's see. 38. Hey, let me have it, Archie. Yes, the soap. Ah, it's labeled orchid ovals. I should say basically mislabeled. Orchids have no odor. Our task for the evening is finished. Why? All we know is the guy washes with a basically mislabeled soap. No, the odor would not have been so persistent in that case. Unquestionably, our visitor works for a soap company that makes orchid ovals. Every employee of a plant in which perfume in large quantities is used inevitably carries the odor on his clothes. Oh. And you already deduced he works in an office. Uh-huh. Ah. I, I go see him in the morning? You do? You know, Mr. Wolf, what with hiring rooms for girls and paying visits to a perfume factory, I'm beginning to feel like a maiden aunt. No one would ever mistake you for a maiden aunt, Archie. Thanks. Is that another deduction? Maiden aunts rarely need a shave. Good morning. One moment, please. Oh, can I do anything for you, sir? Yeah. That is, uh, <clears throat> let's postpone that question and slip in another one. I'm, I'm looking for one of your office people. A sinner's 40s, 5 foot foot 10, brown hair and eyes, speaks in a sharp, quick voice. He owes you money, too. Who owes me money? Mr. Wheeler, the man you were describing. He owes everybody money. In spite of the fact that he's office manager and makes lots and lots of money. How much does he owe you? Hmm? Oh, not, not an awful lot. It won't break me if I don't get it. Is he in yet? Well, he was, but he went home. He was sort of sick. Sort of? Mm, he got a phone call from somebody and rushed out. Mm, too bad. Well, I'd better scram. Well, you didn't answer my question yet. I'm off at five. My name's Gwen. Goodbye. <laughs> Wolf speaking. Archie here. Our unknown's name is Wheeler. He left the office this morning sick after he got a mysterious phone call. Bad, probably. Get to Dorothy Spencer at once and bring her here. Right. I'm at Wheeler's house now. Thought I'd better check. 
His wife's here, too. Blonde? Uh-huh. How could you tell? Fetch you smirk in your voice. Get out of there fast, and don't stop to console Mrs. Wheeler. Silence. Keep your hands high, Goodwin. It's unhealthy. All the blood had run into my head. Archie, he murdered Charles. He did. Tut, Mr. Willie, you really shouldn't have it. It's against the law. Get into the bathroom, both of you. I already shaved. I phoned him. I thought maybe he had my letters. Porter couldn't keep his mouth shut about his other victims. He was going to force Dorothy to marry him. Did you find his material, Wheeler? Yes. In an office, he read it as a front. It's all burned. And why all the melodrama? You know about me, so does she. I can't trust anyone. Get into the bathroom, I said. Look, let's not lose our heads about this. Get moving, Goodwin. I like it here. All right, then. Here is where you'll get it. Hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. Something's wrong. I got shot and Wheeler fell down. I shot him, Goodwin. Stebbins. Dear Sergeant Stebbins. Oh, you little flat-footed angel. <laughs> it's lucky for you my flat feet got staked out here in time. Just for that, I'll buy you a pair of arch supports for your next birthday. But... I'm beginning not to believe this. You had it all figured out? Well, not exactly. Well, that is... Ah, uh-huh. Wolf sent you here. Well, he kind of phoned in and suggested one of us shoot down here and do some rescue work. <laughs> that old devil. Hey, you're not kidding. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> Wolf wasn't sure whether you'd need rescuing from Wheeler or... <laughs> Stop killing yourself with your own jokes. <laughs> or whether Miss Spencer would need rescuing from you. You've been a very foolish young woman, Miss Spencer. I suggest that in the future you exercise more care in your correspondence. Oh, I shall, Mr. Wolf, but how can I ever thank you? Well, one one way would be to listen wide-eyed while he explains how he solved the case. I have no intention. Oh, come on, Mr. Wolf, stop stalling. Please, mm. Mr. Wolf. Well, uh, I'd be very happy to. As a matter of fact, I'd like to see anyone try to stop me. <laughs> a man came to me, offered me a thousand dollars to drop a client I didn't have. Why? Because obviously he wished to direct my attention to that client. Me? You, Miss Spencer. Now then, he identified himself as Charles Porter, a musician. And I tested him and discovered that he knew nothing of music. Ah! The, the capo routine. Precisely. Therefore, he was an imposter. His purpose? Yeah? To indicate by no means subtly that enmity existed between Porter and Dorothy Spencer. Huh? Thus, when Porter was found murdered, I would presumably be convinced that Dorothy Spencer, balked in her effort to enlist my aid against Porter, had resorted to most foul and bloody murder. Most foul and bloody murder is very fancy, Dorothy. Josie likes you. Oh. I thereupon asked myself, why should an unknown seek to convince me that Dorothy Spencer was Porter's murderer? And you answered yourself? One reason only, because he himself intended to murder Porter. As he did. For which Piccadillo he has, thanks to Sergeant Stebbins' accuracy with a revolver, already paid with his own life. Quadirap demonstrandum. 
Latin for that's what you wanted to know. I think you're wonderful, Mr. Wolf, and I'm going to... Ah, be careful. Kiss you. Hmm, Archie, Miss Spencer is a very dangerous young woman. Today I feel brave. Do you, Archie? Very brave. What are you doing tonight? Nothing. Let's do it together. Bah. Oh, is that Mr. Wolf? I said bah. Would you very much mind conducting your romance elsewhere? I would not. And do so at once. I have a very important matter to attend to. Goodbye, Mr. Wolf. Goodbye. Night, sir. Very important. Very important. You have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story was based on the characters created by Rex Stout, produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Lamont Johnson as Archie Goodwin, and Jane Webb, Peter Leeds, Bill Johnstone, and Wilms Herbert. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolf and Archie will bring you The Case of the Dear Dead Lady. Don Stanley speaking. <laughs> Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to have Archie, the bartender, answer the phone. It's his boss, Duffy, calling. Truchet, the hand lotion with the beforehand extra, and Vitalis for well-groomed hair, bring you Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. No man is well-dressed unless his hair is well-groomed. So take the tip. Try the way successful men in both sports and business keep their hair looking its very best. It's Vitalis and the 60-second workout. See how the Vitalis workout helps your hair, helps stimulate your scalp. See how it prevents dryness, routes loose dandruff, and helps check excessive falling hair. And see how Vitalis keeps your hair handsome and healthy-looking with never a trace of a greasy patent leather shine. For there's not a single drop of mineral oil in Vitalis. So try Vitalis and the 60-second workout. You'll like it. And you'll like what it does for the looks of your hair. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you late to eat? Meet to eat. Archie the Manchester. <laughs> right away. <laughs> Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. <clears throat> Look, I just got quite a compliment. Yeah, the uh, glass eater from the circus uh, was in. He says our blue plate special lunch was delicious. <laughs> yeah, he left the luncheon at the plate. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, Duffy, in his business, you know, he can't take chances with his stomach. <clears throat> Another thing, the inspector from uh, Weights and Measures was in, you know, and complained about the size of our whiskey jiggers. Yeah, he said they were too small, so <laughs> I tricked him. I gave him a drink of our bar rye, and then he complained the jiggers was too big. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Duffy, I'm going down to the bank to may- make a deposit. Well, yeah, nothing like having a little dough put aside. I, you know, I quit smoking and stopped going to movies and quit buying fancy clothes and keeping away from dames. Yeah, for the first time, I'm really enjoying life. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, can I have an hour off to go to the bank? I can't. Now, look, you know, tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day, and uh, I've been meaning to ask you, uh, did St. Patrick chase you out of Ireland? <laughs> Huh? Ah, go soak your head. Sergeant, did I hear you say you was taking an hour off? Why not? It's my turn. How you figure? You had an hour off last year. <laughs> Besides, it's uh, rather urgent, you know. I have an important appointment with my bank. I'm uh, making a deposit. How much? Ten bucks. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, ten bucks ain't hey. Hmm. Nowadays, it ain't even money. <laughs> All right. Which... Which bank are you going to? Well, that's my big problem, uh, finding a bank that I can trust. Mm, that's, that's a switch. Up till now, your big problem was finding a bank that would trust you. <laughs> uh, how come you're getting so thrifty all of a sudden? Well, I think a guy should look out for his future, you know? You never can tell when disaster is liable to strike. Mm, like what? Oh, sickness, accident, marriage. <laughs> now, take you, uh... How much do you make a week? Including tips? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And out of that, how much do you save? Practically nothing. But I'm going to be different. No more throwing dough away, like on dames. You know, look what it cost me to go out last Saturday night. You mean with dollar snapper? Yeah. Joe's diner wasn't good enough for it. She has to go to one of them high-class places where they're dining and dancing. Mm, Cost you plenty, huh? You know how them jukeboxes eat up nickels. (laughs) Another thing I'm going to cut down on is me rent. Why do I need a six-room apartment? How much did it cost you? Plenty. Nine bucks a month. (laughs) That much? Well, I rented it when the apartments were scarce and I got stuck with a lease. Now, sir, from now on, I'm going to be known as Thrifty Archie. I'm going to put a little something aside, you know. Eddie, we can all take a lesson from the squirrels, you know. All year round, they're busy storing up nuts. Uh, Hello, Finnegan. Uh, Hi, thanks, Archie. Finnegan, you see before you a new Archie. Did you get a good trade-in on the old one? And what I mean is I'm trying to figure out how to cut down the cost of living. Well, that's simple. Oh, yeah? How do I do it? Drop dead. <laughs> I'm afraid your method is a little too roundabout. <clears throat> well, there's two sides to that question. What do you mean? I'm a little off-center. <laughs> you stand there, too, don't you? Yes, you might have gotten a laugh if I'd read the right line there, too. <laughs> That I know. Want to try it again? Yeah, well, there's two sides to that question. Where do you stand? (laughs) 
I am a little off center. That I know. <laughs> but uh, take your case, for instance, yeah. Finnegan. Uh, do you manage to save any money? Oh, certainly. For instance, every time we weigh ourselves, me and me kid brother save a penny. How? We both get on the scale at the same time. You both can. Then how can you tell what each one weighs? Simple. We divide by two. Finnegan, that don't make no sense. One of you has to weigh more than the other. What's the difference, Arch? It's all in the family. He's a little off center. <laughs> Look, uh, after you save these pennies, what do you do with them? Oh, I go to Coney Island and have a good time. Yeah, and you never think of saving anything for a rainy day, though, huh? Who wants to go to Coney Island on a rainy day? Finnegan, <laughs> I'm beginning to conclude that you don't know nothing about economics. Well, I could have told you that. <laughs> well, uh, would you like me to explain the economic system to you? Is there any way I can get out of it? No. Then please do. Okay. We'll start with money. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, take the dollar, or as it is known today, the half dollar. <laughs> now, if you put it in a bank, they pay you 1% interest. But how can they make money that way? Well, they lend it back, the end charge is 6%. <laughs> See, that is, of course, unless you're very poor. If you're poor, the bank don't charge you the 6%. How come? They don't lend you the money in the first place. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Uh, uh, I think so, except for one minor point. What's that? What's the economic system? <laughs> I think I'm wasting my time. Look, oh, Eddie, God. keep an eye on the joint while I get down to the bank, will you? Hey, can I go along with you? What do you want to go to the bank for? I'd just like to stand there and drool. <laughs> well, here we are, Eddie, the Third Avenue Bank and Trust Company. Yeah. Look what it says on the window. Assets, $36 million. Little did I know that in a few minutes they'll have to add ten bucks to that sign. I uh, know. Leave us find the president's office. That is right there. See that? See that? J. B. McIntosh, president. J. B. McIntosh. Think I should uh, just call him J. B. Why not? He'll probably call you by your initial. You know how it is with them presidents. <laughs> Leave us go in. Uh, Mr. McIntosh? Uh, yes? Uh, sir, uh, I am a potential depositor. Uh, do you mind if I ask a few questions? Not at all. Well, uh, nothing personal, but uh, can you prove to me that your bank ain't crooked? I uh, beg your pardon? Come, come, McIntosh. You know what I'm driving at. Do you maintain a fiduciary balance uh, to offset diminishing debentures on the fiscal? I, I don't understand. Uh, what he want to know is, if he put it in, do he get it out? <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. What's your answer to that one, McIntosh? Young man, you can take your money out at any time unless you put it in our Christmas club. Oh, what happens then? Then the money can't be taken out till next December. 
Yes, I suppose there are redundant circumstances. (laughs) Sorry, but we're very strict. You see, some of our depositors are weak and spineless and haven't enough character to resist temptation. Miss Archer, give the man the money. (laughs) Uh, What amount did you plan to deposit, young man? Well, I was uh, planning something in the general neighborhood of ten bucks. (laughs) Ten bucks? Yes. Oh, goody! Now we can build that annex. Penny and went back from the bank. Uh, and... Don't bother me, Arch. I'm busy taking care of a customer. Oh, a customer. Good. What's he buying? Nothing. He's selling me a watch. <laughs> oh, let me see that. Hey, let me look at that watch. Hey, pretty good. What do you want for it, stranger? Ten bucks. You got a deal. Uh, will you trust me till Christmas? <laughs> hey, what's your offer, bud? Me? Uh, uh, two bucks. Cash. Brother, you bought yourself a watch. <laughs> so long, fellas. Finnegan, how can you be such a jerk letting that guy sell you such a crummy watch? I'll bet it don't even run. Well, if it don't, the laugh's on him. How come? I can't tell time. <laughs> Some people just never learn. Hello, Arch. Oh, hello, Joe. Hey, nice watch you got there, Finnegan. Would you like to sell it? Oh, maybe. Well, how much? Well, I want five, but I'll take ten. <laughs> you, you want five, but you'll take ten, huh? What do you say we split the difference? Okay, it's your deal. Three bucks. <laughs> hey, hey, that's pretty good, huh? I paid two and I get three. Yeah, Joe, what are you going to do with the watch? Uh, give it to my girl. A cheap watch like that? Arch, it's not the watch, it's the sentiment. Besides, a watch like that on my girl's wrist will get everyone to notice her hand. You can say that again. Well, naturally, Arch. <laughs> After all, she has lovely hands. Truchet, you know. I know. <laughs> and there's nothing like Truchet to care for hands, because Truchet is the beforehand lotion. Something really different in hand lotion. You can use it before you get to work, before you do dishes, before you put your hands in water. And Truchet is so effective that it will guard your hands even in that hot, soapy water. But you can also use Truchet as you use ordinary hand lotions. Anytime your hands need a creamy, softening lotion. So get Truchet and get an all-around hand lotion that gives you beforehand protection. Something no ordinary lotion gives you. Get Truchet, the beforehand lotion, and get softer, lovelier hands. Uh, hey, Art, yeah? if you buy a watch for two bucks and you sell it for three bucks, uh, how much do you make? Uh, 50%. Mm. How much do they pay you in the bank? 1%. Gee, Art, I wish I had your brains. <laughs> Don't be sarcastic. At least in the bank, I know the money is safe. That is, I think it is. Uh, Eddie. Uh, yeah. I'm just thinking, when we was down to the bank, did you notice that cashier? What about him? You notice he always kept his hat on? <laughs> and that president, uh, that Macintosh, I wonder. Give me that phone. Hello? Uh, Third Avenue Bank and Trust Company? Look, would you kindly peek into Mr. Macintosh's office and see if he's still there? <laughs> He is? Okay, thank you. Uh, well, it's that. Hey, Mr. Archie, ain't that Max the Booker over there? 
Max the bookie? Huh. The guy from the racetrack? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wonder if he's heard I got money. Arch. Sweet Sue in the third race. He heard. <laughs> uh, look, Max, I quit betting the horses. I don't want no more of them phony tips. Phony? You heard me. That last horse you give me. When a race starts, he has to run in the wrong direction. Then when he gets halfway around the track, he faints. Well, it was the shock, Arch. It was the first time he'd ever seen other horses face to face. Yeah, well, what about that other short thing? The one where you told me the jockey was your own brother. The horse was full of Benzedrine. The judges was all fixed. How come I lost on that one? Well, Arch, can I help it if somebody pulls something crooked? <laughs> Look, Max, you're wasting your time. I'm through betting on horses. I got me money safely tucked away in the bank. You put it in the bank? Yeah. What odds did they give you? <laughs> they didn't give me no odds. You mean they only give you even money? What is the world coming to? Look, Max, get out of here, will you? You're wasting oh. your time. Okay. Uh, maybe some of your pals would like to make a few bucks, huh? Uh, how about you, bud? Not for me. Last horse I bet on, he came in so late at night, he had to tiptoe into the stable. <laughs> well, okay, gents. Just remember what I told you. Sweet Sue in the third. Are you kidding, Sweet Sue? He couldn't run his way out of a paper bag. Well, then, uh, what about Blue Boy in the fourth? Blue Boy, strictly a nag. Okay. Uh, how about this one in the sixth? A horse called Money in the Bank. Max, I'm not gonna... <laughs> Money in the bank. Arch, it might be a hunch. Yeah, Max, uh, are you sure this is a good tip? Oh, I figured it out according to my system. What system? Well, don't you remember? Who gave you Valdina Marl in the gold cup? You did. And who gave you Speed King in the Preakness? You did. Who gave you Lady Luck in the Kentucky Derby? You did, but so what? All them horses lost. <laughs> well, Arch, no system is perfect. <laughs> Hey, look, uh, this horse, this money in the bank. Yeah? Uh, what's the odds on him? Four to one. And, brother, you can put your shirt right on his nose. Won't that interfere with his breathing? <laughs> Wait a minute, Max. Huh? You're a bookie. If this horse is such a hot tip, how come you're willing to bet against yourself? I'm the friendly type. <laughs> you see, you guys are all pals of mine. I'd like to make you happy. Well, that's good enough for me. I'll bet three bucks on him. Okay, you want to bet him to win? What do you think, to lose? Finnegan, <laughs> you're making a big mistake, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah? Like I did with the watch, yeah? Okay. Play, Gypsy. That's why you may. Turn the radio on, Eddie, and uh, leave us see what happens. Okay. Wait a minute. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And now the horses are rounding the first turn. It's Skyrocket out in front, followed by Sea Breeze, Lady Pilot, and Money in the Bank. Dude, come on, Money in the Bank! As J.P. Barnum says, there's one born every minute. <laughs> now they're in the straightaway. It's Skyrocket, Sea Breeze, and Money in the Bank, moving up in a third position. To quote Benjamin Franklin, uh, a penny saved is a penny earned. <laughs> Come on, money in the bank! And now it's neck and neck, skyrocket and money in the bank. Benjamin Franklin felt that a modest return on a modest investment was always necessary. <laughs> and here comes money in the bank. It's money in the bank by one link. 
Benjamin Franklin. <clears throat> and now it's money in the bank by two ladies. Lot of boy, money in the bank. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh... The... And money in the bank is the winner. Oh, boy, the winner. Yeah, and four to one. <laughs> Did you hear that, Miss Arthur? That stinking Benjamin Franklin. Look, Art, I think I'll call up my mother and tell her the good news. You're going to spend a nickel to call your mother? Oh, I made 12 bucks. See? Easy come, easy go. <laughs> These horse players is all alike. Go ahead, throw away your nickel. Mm. No answer. Well, someday you'll listen to your old Uncle Archie. Yeah. I guess I better hang up. <laughs> oh, hey, look! Look, a hat full of nickels! Oh, boy! What was you saying, old Uncle Archie? <laughs> okay, scoff me, but I still say me money's gonna stay in the bank. Archie, don't travel, Shelly. Well, Rennie, I ain't seen you in a long time. Did you miss me, Archie? Yeah, now that I see you, I... Realize how much of you I've missed. <laughs> you lost a little weight, didn't you? Yes. I've been taking reducing pills. Reducing pills, eh? Wonderful how them little pills know just what to leave alone. <laughs> Look, uh, Rennie, uh, ain't this kind of a surprise visit, though? Uh... Well, I was thinking about you, and I felt a little lonesome. Oh, I thought maybe I'd I got money in the bank. You have money in the bank? Yes, in a Christmas fund. Oh. Yes, you see, a friend of mine, uh, Mr. McIntosh, the president of the bank, uh, Mr. McIntosh says I gotta keep it there. You uh, mean you can't take the money out till Christmas? Uh, well, Mr. McIntosh says Archie, that... why wait till December when it could be Christmas tonight? Rennie, you mean... Yes, we could dance together. And you could hold me real close in your arms. But, uh, Mr. McIntosh says the <laughs> bank has a rule. Then the... later on in the evening... We could go someplace where we could be all alone. Just the two of us. Hello, McIntosh. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Look, uh, McIntosh, uh, this is Archie. I got me my... Hello? Hmm. I think I'd better go down there in person. Uh, Rennie, please, uh, wait here, though, in the meantime, will you? And, 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 and don't lose the mood. <laughs> but, Mr. Archie, uh, would Benjamin Franklin approve of you spending your money this way? Eddie, Benjamin Franklin was a much older man than I am. <laughs> Archie, the answer is no. But, Mr. McIntosh, you're a banker. You got a heart, ain't you? Who, me? <laughs> Look, Mr. McIntosh, <clears throat> I'd like you to meet me brother. Uh, hello. Uh, this is your brother? 
Well, things is tough all over. <laughs> That's why I need the money, sir. You see, me brother here has to have a uh, delicate brain operation. A uh, brain operation? Yes, they've got to remove it. <laughs> yeah, the doctor says it's cluttering up his thoughts. <laughs> and, and it ain't only the operation, uh, Mr. McIntosh. He's got other troubles. His wife just come back from Chicago with a little bundle in their arms. The uh, poor dame's got to do her own laundry. <laughs> you had enough, McIntosh? <laughs> Archie, the answer is no. Mr. McIntosh, take another look at me, brother here. How would you like me to go around telling people he's a director of this bank? Uh, yeah. Gentlemen, I know when I'm licked. Here's the ten dollars. Well, Rennie, looks like we're all set. You had the money? Yep. Now, uh, where do we start tonight? Uh, you name it, honey. Nah, you name it. Nah, you name it. The stock club. Okay, I'll name it. <laughs> Look, why don't we just go to Joe's Diner? Joe's Diner? But, Archie, it's so cold there. I think I'd be much warmer at the stock club. Excuse me a minute. Eddie, the dame wants to go to the stock club. So what? I only got ten bucks. I got to get some more money. Arch, stumble bum in the seventh. Max, are you still here? Uh, uh, just a minute, Ronnie. <clears throat> Max, this stumble bum, is it a good horse? Arch, I would bet him if he was running against my own mother. <laughs> yeah? Okay, here's the ten bucks. Put it on his nose. Eddie, look in the racing form and uh, see what it says about the seventh race. Seventh race, huh? let me see. <clears throat> say, say, fly away should win easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, paper boy will be right there at the finish. Mm-hmm. Buzz bomb the one to beat. Mm-hmm. Fred Basket has won four in a row. Stumble mm-hmm. bomb. Yes. Very fond of apples. <laughs> Is that all? <clears throat> no, say, yeah, in his last race, Stumble Bum finished in the money. Uh, finished in the money, huh? Yeah, he jumped the rail and crashed into the $2 window. <laughs> uh, just a minute, Ronnie. I got a horse running in the next race. I got to listen to it on the radio. Huh? Yes, folks, it's the seventh race and the horses are at the starting gate. All except Stumble Bum. He's having a hard time getting there. The walk from the paddock seems to have tired him out. Max, I think I should have bet on your mother. Well, now the horses are all lined up. Stumblebum is leaning against the starting gate. He's leaning? Well, he's saving his energy. Oh. There's quite a crowd out here at the track today, and... Wait a minute. What's that? There must be a storm coming up. Sounds like thunder. No. No, I'm wrong. It's just Stumblebum snoring. <laughs> Stumblebum seems to be having a little trouble with his legs. He's down on one knee. Max. Uh, uh, well, you see, he's just going into a crouch for a good start. Oh. Well, we're all ready to go, folks. And they're off. It's Fly Away, Paperboy, Buzzbomb, Bread Basket, and Stumblebum is coming up fast. You hear that? He's coming up fast. 
Yes, sir. Stumble Bum gets up off his knees and breaks into a fast dump. He's a slow starter. Oh. And now at the quarter pole, it's Fly Away, Paper Boy, Buzz Bomb, and Bread Basket. And Stumble Bum is bringing up the rear. I had to bet him on his nose. <laughs> Stumble Bum, get going, will you? Coming into the far turn, it's still Fly Away, Paper Boy, Buzz Bomb, and Bread Basket. Stumble Bum, where are you? He probably stopped to ask directions. <laughs> And now as they cross the finish line, it's Fly Away, and then Paperboy, and Buzz Bomb, and Breadbasket. What a race this was, folks. A lovely day and a record attendance. And for you folks who are leaving the track and driving home, the officials ask you to please drive carefully. And Stumble Bomb! <laughs> and now a word about tomorrow's races. Archie. Yeah? What about our dinner date? Well, Rennie, as I told you, you know, I was going to take you to the store club and have champagne and caviar and uh, crepe Suzettes and quail. And stumble bump. Eddie, please. But unfortunately, <clears throat> I'm broke. So how about a little dinner here at the tavern, huh? Archie, I just remembered. I have another appointment. Wait a minute, honey. I, I, just a minute. I'll, I'll get the dough. Finnegan, look. You, you still got the 12 bucks you won? Yeah. You still got the hat full of nickels? For sure. Well, let me have it, quick. Well, what do you need it for? You got money in the bank. Oh, uh, Monsieur Finnegan. Yeah? How would you like to take me to the stock club? Can we get by on 12 bucks? I think so. Good night, Archie. Sleep time. <laughs> That's Finnegan. What a joke. You see, Eddie? That's the way it is with them horse players. Once a sucker, always a sucker. Duffy's Tavern for this evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by Vitalis for well-groomed hair and Truchet, the hand lotion with the beforehand extra. Each Wednesday, Bristol Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thank you for listening, and thanks as well to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zoomer Radio. I hope you can join me tomorrow morning at 9 in the role of sous chef on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.